I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Dermot and Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. And you're very welcome to episode 170 of the Irish Photography Podcast. My name is Darren, I'm your host, and I'm delighted to be joined by somebody whose work I've followed for a long time, and now I finally have her here on the podcast. So, Sarah Lindsay, welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And thank you for having me. I'm very, very excited to do this. Uh, you know what? I'm excited now to hear your story and you know to hear you talk about your passion for photography because looking at your images and watching on YouTube, it's clear that you've got a passion <laughs> for photography. So I can't wait to yes. hear the backstory in relation to it and what ignites your passion on a daily basis, you know? Yes, yes. I'm excited to dive into everything that we're going to talk about. Good, good. I suppose, look, before yeah. we even start on anything at all, just in case somebody doesn't know who Sarah is, who is Sarah? Well... I'm Sarah, Sarah Lindsay, and I'm a Canadian-based photographer, mostly known for my landscape photography, but that actually kind of quickly transformed into the yellow dress. So now I am probably even more well-known for the yellow dress that like accompanies my landscape photography. Mm-hmm. And then you know what? It's interesting you say it because you just say the yellow dress and immediately I think, yeah, that's Sarah's work. Yeah. So, you know, yes. I, I, and I can't wait to hear the backstory, I suppose, how that would have kind of kicked in as well, because it really yes. has become part of your landscape photography. photography. Yep. So yep. Um, let's go way back. When did you get started and how did you get started in photography? Oh, okay. Well, I never, I don't actually quite remember like the exact year that it was, but it was when I, in my early 20s. I think it's been about 13 years now. And uh, actually, how I started is kind of backwards because I got into Photoshop first. Huh. I know it's because, yeah, usually not how someone goes into it. But yeah. I, I didn't like I had never even picked up a camera, really. I just, you know, played around with old like point and shoots, sometimes taking pictures of friends. And then I was actually on a date with someone and he brought me back to his house and we were just hanging out and. He was showing me what he does on Photoshop. He he is a photographer himself, but he would create like um, uh, album covers for bands. Okay. So wow. he was doing, yeah, he was doing a lot of like manipulation and just playing around with images and creating something for an album cover. And I just, I didn't particularly like, like the work that he was doing because it was metal, mm-hmm, album, okay. like metal bands. <laughs> okay, but yeah. I, I was just like, that is the coolest thing that you can like piece all this together and play. I don't know. It just seemed very therapeutic. So I asked him, I was like, can you help me get Photoshop on my computer? And this is like way back in the day, way back in the day. So yeah. So he, he got, he got photo illegally got Photoshop for me on my computer. And then obviously I just have like this blank canvas and I was like, well, I need things to, play around with him photoshop so i just picked up a point and shoot camera my parents and i started taking pictures of like jewelry just random things usually in nature like people go and photograph like flowers and different things like that and mm-hmm. ever since then i've just never stopped wow. and then it transformed into this wow and you know most people kind of tell me when they start about photography is that oh i inherited a camera from this or you know i was in school or i was in college and i figured this would be an interesting thing to do but i've never heard of somebody going 
the reverse versology, <laughs> let's just say, uh, towards photography. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned there about the different types of photographs that you would have taken, you know, mainly nature. Have you tried other genres of photography since you've picked up the camera and known how to use it? Yes, 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 and yes. So I had a, uh, before I went, essentially went full-time landscape and the self-portraits, I was actually working like professionally as a wedding photographer, family photographer, newborn photographer, everything, commercial mm -hmm. photographer. So for about four years of my, I guess, career, you could say, I was a full-on generalist. Okay. I did everything. So, and that was starting to be my way of income. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, during that, I suppose, did you have a certain genre within that that you enjoyed or was it something that you said, you know what, no, I'm only doing this because it's a tying me over to like get back into the landscape again? I always, for like the entire time that I've been a photographer, landscape has always been number one for me, just very obviously close to my heart. But I enjoyed them all, to be quite honest. The only one, because they all kind of play into the role of what I've evolved into today. Um, mm -hmm. But when you're doing things like wedding and portraits and commercial, like that's, that's very service based photography, like sure. you're, provi yeah. you're providing a service for someone. So it's different. And it feels more like a work, it's like a job. Mm -hmm. The only genre that I got into that I quickly got out of, it was actually newborn photography, simply because I just like I was just too afraid with the babies, like, <laughs> and you the patience you have to have for newborn photography. It's such a beautiful form of photography, but I, uh, yeah, I just, I just didn't have the backbone to do it. I didn't want to bend the babies in like this certain way. You need proper training when you're doing newborn photography. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I bet, you know, and I think it is challenging. And it's something I've often said many, many times is why I love landscape photography is because I don't have to pose a rock. And that's yes. the big thing for me in relation to that, you know, and I can't imagine yeah. how hard it would be to make sure that you can have a baby warm. I know, you know, yeah, no, yes. I wouldn't. Uh, yeah. not for me, not for me either. So, me. you know, and, and for that point of view, I'm similar to you, I think, because the landscape is something that I love. I love being out and such like that. But tell me, what is it about landscape photography really that has stole your heart? Oh, boy. Well, when I, I started landscape photography very early on in like the experimenting days when I was trying to, you know, find my path in photography. And I remember I was reading a magazine, my parents got me a photography magazine. And I saw a picture, I don't know if you would know where this place is, but in Canada, the Canadian Rockies are very famous, like Banff, mm -hmm. that area. And yep. I saw, I had never been before, never ever had I been. And I saw a photo, even though I live here, I know that's bizarre, but <laughs> um I saw a photo of, it's called Lake Louise. And oh, yeah, and I just was like, what? This place exists. And I just knew it was that that photo that honestly inspired my entire journey to be a landscape photographer. And I knew I was going to go there one day and photograph that lake. And of course, I've been bazillions of times now. But um, it was one image in a magazine that wow. kick-started kick the whole landscape journey. Wow. And, and is it the... The, 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 I suppose the different types of landscape that you encounter is it the feeling of being out in the wilderness is it the feeling of getting warm getting wet getting cold yeah. or whatever it might be what is it about it specifically from the landscape that you go that's me that's my soul this is where I feel alive 
I think it's just being out, especially alone. Well, I like being with people when I'm out photographing, but just away from like tourists, away from cities, away from the hustle, the bustle, just away from everything. And when you're in the landscape and it's just quiet and all you hear is the birds and the, Mm -hmm. and like the lake and the creeks and, oh, it's just such a feeling that's like, nature is very healing and very, just has such a powerful, like, can just do a lot of stuff for us. So it's that feeling that I chase and just, it would always get me outdoors. And I didn't really know it back then because I used to never be very like active or outdoorsies. But you know, you later learn that uh, being outside is really, really good for your mental health. Absolutely. I fully agree with everything that you said there. And you know, you mentioned about being um, on your own. You're not always on your own because you share your journeys with a special four-legged friend. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Ollie. (laughs) Ollie is so cute. He's so funny. He's a funny dog. So he's a whippet and he's it's a very beautiful looking dog. Like he's got a beautiful coat, very unique. You don't really see many of them. So he's often like the star of the show when we're out for walks and all of that. But he is just the most gentle boy. And I adopted him when he was four years old. I was looking for a dog. And I knew I wanted, I actually wanted to get a greyhound, but anyways, they're really hard to adopt greyhounds actually, believe it or not. Yes. Racing greyhounds. Like you can get them as puppies Uh, easily. You can go to a breeder and get a puppy, but I wanted to rehome a dog and I wanted to help a greyhound that was like a racing greyhound. Anyways, the process was so complicated. So while I was going through like the application and the process with that, I put out an an ad online, like a, a Canadian, like. Uh, buy and sell site, I guess you could gotcha. say. Yeah. And I just was like, I don't know. I just had this feeling. So I just put out like a picture of a whippet. And I said, I was looking for, it didn't matter if it was a puppy or an older whippet. I preferred to have a boy and I preferred like a certain coloring. It's called brindle. That's like okay. his, his coat coloring. Yeah. And that was, and then I went to Iceland and this girl emailed me and she's like the exact same as me, exact same age. Um, she looks very similar to me as well. Wow. And I don't know if you know where this is in Canada, but up in the Yukon, like this is northern Canada, like okay. way up there. Far, far, far away. Far. It's uh, it's way up there. Very northern Canada. So she is actually from there. Anyways, she emailed me and said, she's like, I don't know what the chances are of this actually happening, but I have a whippet and I just don't have any more time for him. So he was like left with her parents and it, she just didn't feel it was really like he didn't have a home. So she said, are you interested in taking him? And then I was like, yep, absolutely. And we just arranged that I would go pick him up. And because I was actually in Iceland, it was my um, ex-husband. He drove about eight hours to meet her halfway to pick up Ollie and then brought him home. And that was it. We've been, me and Ollie have been inseparable ever since. And He's a very interesting dog. So he's whippets are very tiny, skinny, very timid looking dogs. Their tail is often tucked um, underneath their mm-hmm. belly and they just look like big scared rabbits. And so Ollie is actually often bullied. Like every time we go out, he's been attacked by three different dogs. So he's had wow. three, I know he's had three surgeries. And actually just recently, this was like maybe two days ago, I was in a bigger city with uh, this fella and we went for a walk and I had Ollie on a very short leash. And then we passed this other couple. They were walking their very large dog, very large. And they had a really long lead on him. And as soon as that dog saw Ollie, he just came straight for him, 
grabbed him on the back, was trying to like rip into him. And I just, I know. And I was just like, no, I'm not letting this happen again. And normally what you're supposed to do is you both owners drop leashes and just let the dogs sort it out. But Ollie, like he'll die. He just, there's no way. So Mm -hmm. I ended up having to, I jumped on the other dog. Wow. I was like, no, I will gladly take the bite. Like, I don't care. I can't let this happen to Ollie. So he is quite the handful. He's like, (laughs) he's like a child I have to take care of. So he's a really special boy. He has a very special role when we get to the yellow dress development, actually. Oh, okay. Because um, a couple of things you said there, I just want to expand on. I mean, uh, in Ireland, we have a huge culture for greyhound racing. And unfortunately, there's also a problem with that is that when dogs aren't winning, then they're effectively just abandoned. Mm -hmm. A a lot of the dogs actually, believe it or not, go to Italy because the Italians love the greyhound breed because they're they're slim. Uh, Whippets are also something which is very easy to come by here in Ireland because they're generally used as a hunting dog. Um, So they work with a terrier. So a terrier will go in and chase a rabbit and then the whippet will go and catch that. So it's interesting in in regards to the differences between different countries and obviously with the dogs. But that was the first thing. But the second thing you mentioned here in relation to, you know, being out with the dog and it's obviously tying into the next thing, which is perfect because I wanted to talk to you about next, which was the yellow dress. Um, And I kind of wanted to figure out, you know, where did that kind of come from? How did it come from? And now I want to add into that is what's Ali's role in regards to the yellow dress? Okay. So how, how did the yellow dress evolve? Like, okay. So, um, well, I kind of break it up into three chapters. I actually have okay. a book. I have a, actually I have a book coming out about this, like a photography book. And uh, we got an um, exclusive here on the Irish Photography Podcast. Is yeah, you do. Coming. There we go. There's a book coming. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to find the hardest thing. Like I have the whole book is done, but I, it's finding the print, like a good quality printer. Yeah. Doing photography books is full on. Like, whew, that's 100%. been quite. It's been quite the journey. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, I've I've had the story for quite some time. Um, as soon as I started the yellow dress journey, like I knew the story immediately. Um, obviously, I, you know, my base is landscape photographer and landscape photographer. That's where I developed like my skill, uh, just that obsession started. And so I kind of developed like this style within my landscapes. Mm-hmm. And then in 2019, um, I got a little bit bored. Well, not bored of landscape photography, but I was like, I want to try something else. I want to try something new. So I, uh, decided I was like, I'm since I have a background in photographing weddings and portraits and like maternity, I really loved that part of photography and I wanted to bring that back into my landscape photography. Gotcha. Yep. So I decided one night I was like, I'm going to go to the lake and I'm going to do a self portrait of myself in the lake and do a long exposure with it because that's my main style. So I had a white dress at the time. And when I did that self-portrait, like the there was really great response online from it. And I just loved creating it. So I was like, wow, I really, really love this. And then I went on a camping trip for a week in a very beautiful location. And the whole camping trip, I was just doing self-portraits and not landscape photography. Wow. And then so for up until 2020, I actually was photographing self-portraits with every color of dress except yellow. Like yellow okay. wasn't, yellow didn't what didn't exist at this time. And I really enjoyed that process. And then um, in 2020, obviously COVID happened and all of that stuff happened, took away all the work. And I actually started going through a divorce as well. Okay. 
so that was very, that my divorce was very life-changing for me, mostly because I am, was kind of the cause of it. And like the, the instigator, I guess we'll say. So this was a very like just eye-opening time in my life where I realized like I needed to become a better person. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I started this whole path of like therapy and just completely on my own. After that point, I've lived on, I lived in a camper for a year on a lake by myself with Ollie. And, uh, during that time I created like all those self portraits with the different color uh, dresses. And this is probably my smallest portfolio of work is those self portraits with the other dresses. So, and very limited, like, so there's huge meaning behind them and like, they're very, very special. And I just remember like the, I, I can fully remember how I felt while I was going through that process. And when I would, every self, any of these self portraits that I look at, I just, I've always remember the darkest time of my life, always. And this is actually where Ollie comes into play because Ollie was obviously my dog. And when me and my ex-husband got divorced, I kept Ollie again because he's my dog. And it was a pretty low time in my life. And I remember I was just laying there in bed one night and um, like I was just so lost and so confused. And sometimes your mind wanders and you're like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to live this life anymore. And I just looked at Ollie and he was laying beside me. And I was like, well, those are really silly thoughts because if I did anything to myself, like this dog would die and he would, no one would be here to take care of him. What would he do? He would never be able to fend for himself and he would simply just die. Mm -hmm. And that was enough to be like, okay, no, I obviously need some help. So I, the next day, like I began the journey of like healing and recovery. And I really think that Ollie has like this huge role in, in that he does. Cause Mm. I had, I have to protect him. Like, Hey, you know, I care for him. I have to be there for him. He needs me. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, again, a couple of interesting things on that, I suppose, is, you know, is that you can find clarity in, in the most unusual of areas and times and, you know, landscape photography can that can be that for a lot of people is that they've got problems yeah. they don't even realize to go into the open all of a sudden the solution appears. But yes. Now, as you say here, you know, looking at Ali, and I think that's profound because he is your partner in crime. He's one that you go out now and explore the wilderness and such with as well. So I think that is a fascinating story. Thank you very much for giving me the detail in relation. Yeah, to you're it. welcome. And you know, I think can't wait to, for you to finally get the book you now, and when you find a publisher <laughs> and get the book out there because I think it will be quite an interesting story to tell and I didn't know I don't think I've ever seen actually any images of you other than in the yellow dress so yeah they exist they are there okay. I do I still share share them but I obviously the yellow is the focus yeah. but um so those are very like special they're very special works those ones in the other dress so it kind of works though because if I'm doing anything with like fine art prints um you know selling digital art like they have that scarce scarcity around them. So they're very, Mm -hmm. they are very, very special. Um, So then how the yellow dress came about, I actually got at one point, I got a yellow dress because again, I was still working as like a a portrait photographer and I was doing maternity shoots, which I really enjoyed. And so all of the dresses actually come from that. Like these, all these dresses were just my client dresses. And then I I got yellow and I was like, Oh, okay. I should probably add yellow into the mix. And I spent, it was like $20 on this yellow dress. And as soon as I got that dress, I just noticed that I was using it more and more and more. And the other colors kind of started to fade away. 
And then when I really started to like deep dive into what yellow means and like the color of yellow and just what it represents, it's everything that's like bright and positive and children are very, are really drawn to it because it's so playful and it just has, it just, yellow is like positivity. You just look at it and it's like bright. It's a very Mm -hmm. bright color. Mm -hmm. So yellow, like the yellow dress really signifies like the person that I wanted to turn into who I wanted to become. And so I use, yeah, I use the yellow dress to represent that life change in my moment and my, how I just developed into a different person. Mm-hmm. And the main like theme, like I'm still kind of struggling to teach this through my work because I believe in helping people. Like I really believe in having purpose and helping others and solving your own problems. And it's just a magical thing. So I'm trying to convey like the message of being self-aware Mm-hmm. with the yellow dress that's why I share the story so much because it, it really is about like facing your own problems and what you've done <laughs> with the mistakes that you make and um growing from it and becoming a better person to eventually help you know as many people as you can yes and, and, and you know something on that as well is that it becomes instantly recognizable as well as your work yes um because you know I'm a landscape photographer. I could take a photograph and it could be lost in the mix of things straight away. Whereas with yours, it's different. It's yours. It's unique. It's it's identifiable and such like that. And I think, yes. you know, it, I, what I want to do is I want to take a quick break. But when I want to, when I come back, I want to ask you, and this is tying again, even nicer into that is about our own style and how we develop our own style. And I think, yes. you know, the yellow dress has become synonymous as part of you and your photography. So look, what we'll do there, Sarah, is we'll take a quick break and sure. we'll be right back. And I want to get into more detail on that. Okay, perfect. If you're enjoying this episode of the podcast, why not jump over to iTunes or Spotify and listen to the back catalogue that we have of some great episodes where we talk about photography, gear, and some excellent guests along the way. Thanks very much for listening and for watching. We'll see you on the next And you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Sarah, like I said before the break there, and I think, you know, it's something that I'm really interested in hearing your take on is how important do you think it is to form your own style in photography? Well, I think it's very important. (laughs) Like, it's if you really want to, for so many reasons, like if you want to be able to monetize, if you want to have a recognizable style, if you want to be known for something, you do need to find your own, create your own style in photography. But how you really do that is is by kind of following others until eventually you develop your own. And most people get really lost at that part. Like they don't know how to do it. And I find like you have to be, you have to be operating from a place of like authenticity and like what you dream of, like what, when I create, I obviously have like visions that I'm really drawn to and a style of photography. I love whimsical photography. I love the dresses, the landscapes. So I take all my skills that I've learned over the past like 10 years and then Mm -hmm. I combine them into my own unique style. I honestly think it's very important to stand out nowadays in this content creator economy, which Mm -hmm. includes photography. Um, because there's so many people taking photos, so Absolutely. so so many. Yeah. And if and if you can build something that's recognizable, which really only happens by being consistent and showing up in it. Honestly, that's all you need to do is just be consistent. Um, you people will know you. They'll rec- and then you'll start to build trust with people because they see you over and over and over and over again. So I think it's very important to develop your own style. 
and you know, I think it's something as well, if we expand on that a bit further, is it's important to develop your own style as opposed to develop a style that you've replicated from somewhere yes. else. You, you you can learn from others, but you put your yeah. own spin, your own, you know, flavor, let's just say onto that. And I think a number of people that you see for many, many times, they'll go to a location and they'll stand in exactly the same spot that somebody else has, has stood a hundred times before yes. and take exactly the same type of shot. Whereas if you go there, okay, get that shot. That's fine. But then explore, then try and yes. find something different, you know, because you might, you might find something that has never been shot before because everybody has followed the same steps and gone in the same exact same three tripod holes and put it there and taken exactly the same shot. So, you know, absolutely, I, 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 I fully agree with you in relation to that. And I think then if we look at, you know, from a landscape point of view, I know that when I go visit a location, if it's my first time visiting the location, I have a certain approach. If it's a location that I've been to many, many times before, I have a different approach. But from your point of view with landscape and obviously adding in that extra dimension now of you going as a portrait within the shot and with the yellow dress how do you typically approach a scene um well i i'm a very like efficient person and i think this plays a role into like how i create so i'm very quick and i'm very quick to adapt okay. like when i'm when i'm so if i it's a like there, there are plenty of times like tonight I'll actually be going out photographing and I have a vision of like what I want to create, but it might not turn out that way because you never know what the weather is going to do. Mm -hmm. um, but then a lot of the times, like, especially since I've been traveling to new locations, like I've, I honestly just have like, trained myself to really be able to quickly see compositions and like things that I would believe that upon first seeing the scene, what I think would look really, really good. And it comes to me very, very quickly. And then I, I can create. So I approach it in like two different ways. Sometimes it's just, it's just letting the landscape unfold upon arrival. And then other times there's a bit more of a plan behind it. Like I have a vision now go find the landscape to match it and create whatever the night or sunset or whatever I'm doing decides to give me mm, mm. Mm -hmm. and, it, and and something i think you've only recently got it as well but it's going to help you i think to find new compositions is your your drone because that will yeah. give you an opportunity to when you arrive to a location you haven't seen before send a drone up have a look yes. around yes i've been doing that lately and i love it i love yeah. flying the drone i really <laughs> really do too, no? <laughs> i crash the drone all the time i need to take it back i'm taking i just got the mini three so i'm actually going to take it back and get the pro because yeah. I need the obstacle. Avoidance. Yeah, so sure. I think I think I can still take it back. I have to look into that. But yeah, I want to take it back. Hopefully, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we, we've we've gone into the scene. We've sussed out the location. You know, we've positioned yourself within the shot. We've taken the shot. Now we bring it back home. And I think post-processing is a vital part of any photographer. Um, you know, some people can be minimalist on their post-processing. Other people can be spinal tap 11 on the sliders. You know, I mean, it can, it can vary. So, I mean, how do you think in relation to what's your approach and your workflow as far as editing your shots go? Well, even though I said that my journey started in Photoshop, you would think that I would be a heavy editor <laughs> at this point. It's actually opposite now. So I'm more like I get it as right in camera as possible uh, because it's just way easier. Mm -hmm. You don't have to spend so much time on editing. And I mm -hmm. think I adopted that through wedding photography because okay. wedding photography, like you have to get it right. You just... Yeah. You will die if you spend hours and hours and hours editing one image. Uh, if you pho photograph a wedding, so I really I learned like my edit my editing process is so simple, and I wanted to to be able to still like 
create drama in my images, but as quickly as possible. And I even have like a tutorial out about this, like creating dramatic imagery within 15 minutes of editing. So my editing approach is actually very simple. And and you know what? That is a good thing to have because, you know, you, as you say, you could spend an hour in one image and then you say, oh, I'm not really fond of that image because yes. you've actually spent so much time in it. Or you also can become nose blind to what you've created within the image and you go, okay, I'm happy with that, but your colors are all off because you've been yes. looking at it for so long, you know? Yes, yes, oh. that does happen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, yeah. And, I, and I agree with you, and particularly in regards to yourself, you know, you have to get that image right in the field. I mean, if you're not in focus, then no matter how much, how good you are, you will not be able to get that in focus in post-processing. So yeah. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. Um, and something as well, I suppose, you know, you, like myself, you're also on YouTube and I find it a, a very, very interesting and fun thing for me to do. Um, how did it start with you on YouTube? And I suppose, you know, next thing I have here is on what do you enjoy most about it? I think I've been on YouTube for four years now, but it wasn't like I would say in the first two years, two to three years, actually, like I was putting out videos consistently, but not really like. I wasn't really, really trying. It's only been in this last like year that I've really been trying with YouTube. I love YouTube. That's probably honestly my favorite community and where I feel I belong the most. And that's also because I think I'm skilled in like talking to mm -hmm. the camera. Like obviously I developed that skill as well. And I'm a big believer in like emotionally con connecting with people. So YouTube is the strongest way to connect with others. Like I just... I've had nothing but a good experience on YouTube so far as in terms of like people relating to me. I haven't seen, I know YouTube can be like the place of really negative comments, but so far I've been fortunate. And I really feel like the people on that watch my YouTube content, like they truly care about mm -hmm. what I'm doing. It's mm -hmm. not the same as Instagram, like the two totally different worlds. Absolutely. And you know, yeah. and, and something here, you, you, Instagram, you see the final result. YouTube, you see the creation. Creation, yes. And you, you know. can help people better on YouTube because you have video to like connect with them. I mean, you have video on all the platforms now as well, but it's hard to make that transition from long format video to short shorts yeah yeah Whew, tough <laughs> it, it is and you know a lot of people out there now are recommending that you get your long form video and then you cut it up into many many yes. other smaller pieces and you can repurpose that on all different platforms yeah and i'm looking going eh, no i don't think i want to do that you know yeah. I, I like i like creating my my story behind my yeah image. yes know, i like yep. letting people see what i experience and more importantly and you know and I suppose from a personal point of view, the reason I created my YouTube channel was because I was bored. I was out taking yeah. photos. I was waiting for yeah. the light. And I said, okay, you know, I'll give this a go. I'll send a video off to some friends of mine. But there's been a byproduct from that is that now I now have a body of work that when I'm dead and gone, my kids can watch and go, so that's why daddy wasn't there for breakfast. Yeah. So that's why he wasn't yeah. there for, for tea, you know? Um, yeah. And something that will live on as a legacy once I'm gone. But I, I enjoy, yes. similar to you, I enjoy the community that's there on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and I actually enjoy putting the video together as well because let's we have another creative yeah. release. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's fun to create a story. It, it really is. It's about it storytelling. Is. Yeah. It is. And also, you know, people can see an image, like you see this stuff uh, on TikTok or whatever, or on shorts, like the, the, the Instagram photograph versus reality. And the Instagram yeah. photograph is nobody in the water. And then all of a sudden you see the reality is that there's a hundred people inside in the water. Yes, absolutely. And, 
that's why I think YouTube gives people a flavor of what to expect when they're going to a location like that. But also, yeah. they're not, not going to go there blind thinking that everything looks as picture perfect or as postcard perfect as they saw. Yes, absolutely. Instagram picture. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. It's very realistic. Yes. And I suppose, yeah. you know, speaking of realistic as well, I mean, look, you give people an opportunity to shoot out in the field with you in yes. workshops. So tell us about these amazing trips. Well, so I've been doing tours like for, it's probably been about four years now. I don't do, I kind of limit them to four a year and because usually they're international, like I'm going, I just was teaching in New Zealand and California and Iceland. So I, I always work alongside another photographer and I really, really enjoy that because I think there's just so much added value to the participants when there's multiple uh, creators teaching you. Um, it's been, but now it's actually started to evolve when I'm on the tours, like people want to, my main thing was that I was teaching landscape photography, but now I'm letting people photograph me in the dress and we're practicing like portraiture and I'm teaching them that as well. So that has been really cool to see evolve. And I love like the participants when they photograph the yellow dress. I notice in like the chats that we create, cause you know, we all have like a big group chat when we're on Uh tour. Mm -hmm. Um, that's all they share in there. So they just share the images of the yellow dress. So it's really, really sweet to see. Um, I really enjoy tours. I, I, they're, it's one of my favorite, like, I guess, work mm-hmm. ways with photography. And I'm going to Iceland in a month. So I'll be teaching on an Iceland tour, a big Iceland tour with Skylum. And yeah, I just keep, I, I hope to just keep evolving that and taking people to other places around the world that I've seen. It's cool. It's a cool line of work. Very tricky line of work to tap into, though. It is, but I think it's very rewarding as well when you yes. get the reactions are there from the person that's next to you. You know, and yeah. um, you know, they're there going, "I don't know how to do this." Okay, well, let's let's figure it out and let's show you. And then mm-hmm. they're then sharing all of their images with their friends and stuff like that. And more importantly, they're and I think this is the thing about workshops is you you have the pictures. But it's the experiences that have been created during yes, that, yes. Which, and the friendships that can come from that as well, which can far yeah. away the image that you have sitting on your hard drive, which may never see the light absolutely. of day. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Um, and plus, you get to experience some beautiful locations with some other people, yes. with talented creators, and obviously, and as you say, the dress has taken on a life of its own. So now yes. that's the, the the star of the show, is such like that. If you want to get those photographs too, yeah. Um, and you mentioned about, you know, different traveling and stuff like that. I know you're just back from uh, a European trip. Tell us about the European trip. We want to, I'm going to finish this part of, about uh, in an area that you finished your trip in, let's just say. But tell us about the European trip, first of all. Where were oh, you? It was amazing. I'm so, so sad to be back. So I actually went to, um, it was all very spontaneous, all of this. Um, and I know I'm a very spontaneous person. So in... I actually met this fella in California in February. And then uh, anyways, we really hit it off and we wanted to see each other again after that. So he actually invited me to London the next month, or maybe it was like a couple weeks after we met. I can't quite remember. But so yeah, he invited me to London and I had never been to Europe before, except for I've been to Iceland. And I was just like, yep, I'm going to go to London for a week. And I came to London. It had nothing to do with photography, even though I did create, I did create while I was there. But I spent a week with him and I just loved it so, so much. And I connected with some of my, there's a lot of Canadians that live in London. They go there for work. Okay. So I connected with some of my friends there and 
I was just so inspired by what they did and how they just like left Canada and went and moved to Europe. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to come back and I want to spend some time with you guys. So I came back to Canada after that trip and I immediately booked my next flight back to London. Wow. And then, yeah, so I went back to London about a month and a half later and I stayed with some friends out in the countryside. So I was there for a month with them. It was very low key, very mellow. I would just go around and photograph not, I actually didn't go into London all that often, but I would go to like the Cotswolds and um, different churches in the countryside because that is what I love about here where you guys live. It's just so charming. And then while I was there, I decided to go to Scotland. I was actually working with camper van companies, but I decided to go to Scotland as well. Spent a week there. And then I just on a whim before before I was going to come back home, I knew I wanted to see more. And I was like, I'm going to go to Ireland on my own. And wow. so I did. So I reached out to a camper van company in Ireland and I organized a collaboration with them. And I basically took my first like solo camper van journey in Ireland, which was really interesting because you guys' roads are so narrow <laughs> and I had this big massive camper van and I haven't driven manual for like 15 years this is where Patrick comes into the story it's very entertaining yeah. so I, I yeah my week in Ireland it was way too short like I had such a hard time leaving Ireland I so that was like the finale of my European trip and just simply because I had to get back home to take care of some logistics and like plan what I'm going to do next. And mm -hmm. I'm definitely coming back. Like there's no doubt about that. Well, you know what? I mean, like we have such a thing in relation to, you know, Irish charm, I suppose. And it's something that <sighs> is quite unique. And anybody that visits Ireland will go, Jesus, you know what? I want to go back or I haven't been there long enough. I mean, yes. And you, you mentioned there, you know, you you had the fortune to meet up with a very good friend of mine, which is Patrick, um, who helped you around and, you know, showed you and gave you some hospitality, I hope, in an Irish style. Tell us how how did that happen? Oh, it was so good. He was probably my favorite part of the trip. So um, he, I was in Ireland, but I had no plans to meet up with anybody. I was like, I'm work, I'm kind of working, but also creating for myself. So it was more about like my solo journey. And mm -hmm. then he messaged me cause I wouldn't, didn't even know who he was. I wasn't following him, but he was following me and he messaged me and it went into like my Instagram requests, which okay. I never check, but wow. I checked them for some reason. I checked it and I saw that he reached out and like a lot of people reach out and give me like location tips and I'm like, okay, thanks. But his were so solid. Like he's like here, 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 this is where you need to go. So he just gave me all this advice. And then I looked at his profile and I was like, this guy seems really great. And so we started talking for a couple of days, like messaging back and forth. And then one night I was like, do you want to come photograph with me? Like, do you want to come visit? Do you want to come hang out? And he said, yes. And then he drove up the next morning. He left very, very early because where he lives by Dublin or close yeah. to Dublin. And then yeah. I was up by like, uh, I can't say the places very well, like Bally Castle, Bally Castle, Bally Castle. Bally Castle. Yeah, I was there. I was yeah. up there. So a bit of a drive for him. So he drove up. And we met at, I think it was Dunluce, Dunluce Castle. Uh -huh. And um, I don't know, it just the, I honestly haven't had a day like that in so long. And because wow. he is just such a very like childlike person. And he's so awesome. And he has very good energy. 
And we honestly had the best day. We spent like 13 hours together. We went out photographing. We went out exploring. We went out for lunch. We, uh, everything. He took me to get like some very, like traditional Irish like candies and chocolates okay, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and treats. And like, we just had such a good day. Our personalities just blended so so well together and he helped me create he helped me create portraits and he took me skateboarding and oh brilliant i know it was such a good day and then after that i he went back home and then i went off to oh my gosh i'm gonna say the name wrong dun dunning gal dunning gal dunning gal okay i'm terrible with the names so i went i went there for two nights and but we knew we wanted to see each other again so I spent like my last like two nights I spent in Dublin. And so that's where we hung out there again. And he came. I honestly thought this was the sweetest thing. He's going to listen to this and be embarrassed. But (laughs) it was so sweet. Like, I don't think he realizes these gestures that he did, just how amazing they were. He came because he lives like, I think it's an hour from Dublin. So he drove from his place, picked me up in Dublin. He kind of like surprised me with this. And then he's like, we're going to Cashel. Because he knew that that was on my list, but I was like, I'm not going to get there. There's no way. Like, it's just kind of way out of the way. So he just picked me up and he's like, let's go. And he drove me there and like, we just took me out to dinner and like, we just had the best time. It was yeah. so good. <laughs> pa- Patrick, I must say, is an absolute gent. And I, it's interesting you say about his, you know, childlike approach because he's a lot of fun. He's a lot of energy. I yes. love hanging out with Patrick. I've gone a number of different trips with him and I'm delighted that, you know, you got to meet up with him and that also he did our country proud by being an ambassador to you coming for your oh, first time. You know, He was so, so good. Yeah, yeah. He, is a, he is a gem. And I think you mentioned something there, which I was going to ask you was your highlight, but probably maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But one of the things I saw is that you were skateboarding down the uh, dark hedges. And that's something that should myself, Patrick and Dermot, uh, another buddy of mine actually had done um, when we were up there in that area back in February or March is that he skateboarded down to it. So, I mean, let me ask you, what was the highlight of the trip? Was that it or was there there others? I think, I mean, so like, so photography wise, the highlights were obviously, there was actually all the castles that I photographed. That was my Mm -hmm. favorite part. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, oh my gosh, like Kinbane, oh, just incredible. It's like a playground for photography, especially when you're doing portraits. Uh, So photography wise, those locations were the highlight for me, but the real highlight of the trip, honestly, was spending time with Patrick. It, it, I had, I haven't had that day with someone else in so, so long. And like the skateboarding down the dark hedges, like that is, he might kill me for this. He might, I don't know, but it was adorable. Like (laughs) he was so cute and like the, again, just his energy and he's just such a good, he is a gem. He is such a good soul. Yeah. He's he's a legend. Yep. He was yeah. he was the high he was the unexpected highlight of Ireland for me. Good. So yeah. it it left you, I suppose, with a taste that you were hungry for more to experience Ireland. Um. So when are you coming back? Um. Well, I've been toying like with the idea of because I I have to come back to uh, Iceland anyways. So already I'm back in Europe and. I'm going to go to Italy and Bulgaria because there's some things I want to photograph there. And then I'm thinking about coming back to spend actually a month in Ireland and just getting like a place for a month and then being able to 
explore the rest of the country because there's so much more that I've missed. And I love Ireland so much. I'm just so sad to be back. It's just, it's, I can't, I don't know. There's a part of me that's like, I don't want to promote it. Not that I have that big of an impact to like send people to Ireland, but when you go to these, some of these locations and there's just, no one really knows about them yet. There's something so special about that. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I almost want to protect Ireland from like the hordes. Well, you know what? It's funny you say it because, you know, Ireland is like a little hidden gem on the West Coast of Europe, right? Yes, on the, on, it on, is. On the Atlantic. And most people, you know, they go to Iceland or they go to the Faroes or whatever. They go to the Dolomites. But I've been saying it for years is that Ireland has everything except for rainforests yeah. and deserts. Right. Yes. yes. Now our, our mountains, some people would only call hills. I mean, our mountains yeah. are a thousand meters, our highest mountain. But at the same point, you've got such a diversity in such a small area. But don't let the small size fool you, because as you mentioned, you know, the roads are small also, and it can take you oh, a long gosh. time to get to certain areas, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, people go, oh, I'll have Ireland done in a day. Yeah, you will. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. You won't, you won't. Yeah, that's true. I think maybe what's different for us foreigners about photographing in Ireland, but as you find this in Scotland and um, like London and that area as well, is the castles and the churches. Like we don't have that over here. And that that's ultimately what I wanted to photograph. And there's just something so special about those places, like the history behind them, what they can add to your composition. So for me, it was, it was it's the castles, like the ruins. Sorry, Patrick yeah. always was like, they're not castles, they're ruins. They ruins. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, yeah, but look at them. Like, it's just, <laughs> these are incredible. So that was my favorite part. And, you know, you mentioned there about um, adding to the images. Some of the shots that you got in Dunlewy is unbelievable. The, well, thank you. The way you positioned yourself in the in the broad window in relation to it as well. It just yeah. Perfectly, you know. That and was I, incredible. Yeah. And, and I must say a hat tip to you because, you know, like I said about YouTube, it gives people the behind the scenes story. You walked barefoot across all of the that church. shingles. And I'm like, I know. Is, is she insane walking? Barefoot? Yes. You know, but you did it fair play. I and did the shots it. turned out wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was the last thing that I created there was uh, I can't remember what that church is called. It's not Don, the church. Don Louis. Don, okay, I thought it was called the Church of Ireland for some reason, but anyways. It, it, it's a part of the old Church of Ireland, which would have had oh, a number of churches okay, around okay. Ireland, but that's Dunlewy Church there. Okay, that yeah. place, why Why I was so like amazed that just how, like, or this is where I realized the hidden gem that Ireland is, is because I went there, you have to drive down this like very narrow road that's like, I'm going to run into another car. Mm-hmm. And just that there was no, not one single person came when I was there. And I was like, where the heck are all you people? Like, this is incredible. So Mm -hmm. I just felt very special to have that moment uh, on my own. But it's also a cemetery, so it was a little spooky. Yeah, it is <laughs> it, it is a cemetery and it has some really, really old headstones as well that are all around there. It'll yeah, that you, was scary. Yeah, tell you how old the, the whole location is. But I mean, that whole area of Donegal is absolutely um, incredible. Yeah, it is. Beautiful, you know? uh, yeah. And so many stories as well that people would have, you know, from visiting there. Because right, right behind that, you've got a place called the Poison Glen. Um, yes, yes. Which, you know, again, there's a story behind that. I don't know the story. I'd have to find it out. But there's a whole story behind that as well. And a lot of ancient things for 
centuries old. So um, the key thing for me, as you said, and it's interesting you picked up on it, is that there's nobody else. And it's rare that when I'm going out taking photos that I'll see somebody else with a camera. I'm okay, I'll see tourists and stuff like that. General, But most tourists will arrive in a place, they'll spend four hours to drive there, they'll spend seven minutes and yes. they're gone again. Yes, know? that is um, true. That is yeah, true. Whereas, whereas with photography, we spend a bit more time there. I mean, yes. okay. So, look, Sarah, that has been a fascinating insight in regards to you know your approach to photography. I've learned quite a lot about you and you know your photography as well. What I want to do is I want to take my final break because I've got three okay. questions I ask every single guest, and I'm really excited now to hear your answers to those three questions. Okay. So I'll be right cool. back after this. If you're enjoying this episode of the podcast, why not jump over to iTunes or Spotify and listen to the back catalogue that we have of some great episodes where we talk about photography, gear, and some excellent guests along the way. Thanks very much for listening and for watching. We'll see you on the next and you're very welcome back to the final part of this fantastic episode today. And I'm really excited now, Sarah, like I would have said, to hear your answers to my staple three questions. My first question is, Tell us a funny photography story. Okay, well, this is an easy one for me. So um, because I do the self-portraits, like I'm often putting myself into a lake. And so far, well, up until this funny story, I've been very uh, lucky to not have any like mishaps in the lake or whoopsies. But there was this one evening I went out, I was actually filming for YouTube. So this is a YouTube video and I call it self-portrait gone wrong. So I had this like vision of this scene in Canada every autumn. We have this kind of this really cool phenomenon that happens. Uh, the This one lake in particular rises really high. And I don't know if you follow maybe like Adam Gibbs. Or yeah. of course you would follow Adam Gibbs. You're going to be working with him. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen his work from the Rockies of like these trees submerged in water. And like they're the fall autumn trees. It's just such a yep. beautiful, it's such a short window. It doesn't happen every year. It's such a short window of time that you can photograph this. So anyways, I was trying to do a self-portrait there and amongst those trees. And it was really cold. Like Canada and our lakes, they are freezing. So, but I'm no stranger to that. Like I'll just, no, I want the shot. I'm going to go out and do it. So I walked out into this lake and I did not realize that it had a drop off. Because it doesn't look like it does. <laughs> it looks like it's pretty level the whole way. And I just kept on walking out there. And I just, I don't know what happened. I just took one more step and I just slid down on this bank. And I was wow. completely submerged in the water, like head under. And I could never got a shot because I just completely ruined the dress. I was freezing cold. And there was two, it was so embarrassing because there's two people there with me. And they were filming it and watching the whole thing. And my dress... I guess what was embarrassing is that my dress, when it gets that wet, it's very see-through. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, no. See, I know. So it was like just clinging to my body and I'm like, I feel so exposed. And, and freezing. Yeah, and freezing. And it was all on video and I never got a shot, but I released the YouTube video in anyways. And I was like, the self-portrait gone wrong. <laughs> so that, yeah, yeah, that was, that was good times. And um, 
Yeah. And then any other time being out with Ollie is usually pretty funny because something always happens to him. <laughs> always. Well, well that, that's, you know, that's the fun thing of having the dog with you because, you know, they will always find something to intrigue. They're inquisitive beings yes. anyway, you know. So, yeah. Yes. And I mean, look, you know, in relation to your portrait gone wrong, at least you survived to tell the tale and you didn't turn into a nice blob. Because, yes. You know, with the water being so. I'm cold. here. I am yes. here. <laughs> yes. It okay. Was, yeah. Good one. Uh, next question is what gear do you shoot with? Okay, well, this is always a fun one because I'm pretty old school. So okay. I'm still on a DSLR. Okay. Really, come tell that thing dies, I'm going to be using it. So I use a Canon 5D Mark IV. Canon, yeah. Yes, Canon. And I actually only got this camera because when I was doing wedding photography, like that was the wedding photographer camera. It's very mm -hmm. versatile. So anyways, I obviously still use it for uh, landscape photography. And now I've kind of curated my lenses down that I even only travel with two lenses. So okay. I use a 16 to 35 and a 70 to 200. I use nothing else. Snap. Yeah, I just know because I know that those two will just get me what I need at any given situation. And I don't like carrying around a lot of gear. So th th those are the lenses and that's the camera body I use. And like I use a Benro tripod, pretty standard, just lightweight, nice tripod. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Shimoda, I work with Shimoda, which is actually going to follow up into the next question that's coming. Mm -hmm. So I use Shimoda products. I've been with them for years and years and years. And yeah, my setup is honestly that simple. Fine-tuned, practical, lightweight, and functional. Yes, yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, the day that you do make the jump to uh, mirrorless, though, I think <laughs> I you're going to really, really be blown away in regards to the technology advances, yes. particularly in relation to focus peaking, um, yeah. because that will help you immensely. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, look, a, a very good setup, and again, Canon, Canon for life. Yes, stuff. Canon, yep. yes. So, and then the third one is our VSP, our very solid product. A product you won't leave home without, you put your name to it if you could. What is it? Well, this has to be, honestly, it has to be my Shimoda bag. I have multiple, but like I change them depending on how, if I'm going on a hike or whatever. I th It's going to be a Shimoda Designs product because as I've been working with them, and I take this very seriously because I'm an, in an influencer as well. And like, they are just such a solid company. Like they truly care. They truly care about the photographers that they work with. They care about photography as a whole, and they are very passionate about getting a product out that, like, they listen to people, they listen to the customers, and they're always evolving, always, always, always. And it's, I honestly believe it's the best photography bag out there. So definitely Shimoda. And it, for me, it goes beyond just that it's a great bag. It's a great, it's a well-made product. It's the people behind the team that are making it. They're such good people. And, you know, it's interesting, actually, Sarah, because I think that's a very good product to choose because regardless of what brand of camera that you use, you have to have a camera bag. And having a good camera bag is something that you will reap the benefits from, whether it be on a, med a long hike, a medium hike, yes. a short hike, having comfort and being able to easily access your gear is vitally important. So, yeah, yeah. Very, very good. Absolutely. Very, very good choice. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. So, Sarah, that has been an yes. amazing conversation. I mean, there's only two things really for me to ask you at the very end of this, which is number one, what's next for you? And number two, where can people find more info on you? Okay. Well, what is next is obviously I'm going to be traveling again, and that includes more of Europe. And a place that I'm actually kind of been obsessing over 
lately is this place in Italy. I can't, <laughs> I'm very bad at pronouncing <laughs> European names. Uh, I think it's called like Cairo and it's a, an abandoned okay, city. And it's like, uh, I, it's so mind blowing. Like it's, it's on a, it was built on a cliffside and it's abandoned because of the earthquake. So I'm like tunnel vision on this right now. So I'm just going to go to this one little Italian town just to photograph this abandoned city. It looks amazing. So that's coming up for Europe. And then um, YouTube, like right now, what I'm very focused on is YouTube. So it's just really getting Mm -hmm. YouTube like taken off the ground. And because I can take YouTube anywhere. I can take YouTube all over the world. So that is, again, like what's coming more is obviously more development with the YouTube channel and helping people more through that. And um, mm-hmm. obviously some tours. There we I've been discussing a Ireland tour. So that also is going to be coming up in the future. Sure. There will be more sure, about yeah. that. And you soon. know what? I think it's something that, mm-hmm. you know, once the time comes and we get things nailed down, we'll give more information. I'm excited to be able to let out of the bag, I suppose, what we're trying to plan, really. But as a teaser, yeah, yes. there might be something. Stay tuned in relation yes. uh, to that. Um, and where can people find you? Yeah. What's your handle? Where can they get you? <laughs> so, well, the, be- the best place to find out all details, everything about me is my website, which is www.sarahlindsayphotography.com. And then on across on all the socials, it is Sarah Lindsay. And I would say you want to go to YouTube first. Good. Yeah. Well, what I'll do is yes. I will put all of the links into the show notes so that people can find you and see the wonderful images that you create, watch the yes. fantastic videos that you have and follow along on your journey as you continue to evolve and, you know, improve your skills and help people along the way. Yes. Sir, yes. it has been a fascinating conversation. I think I've said that a couple of times anyway during this podcast as it is. Thank you very, very much for your time to come on and talk with us. I think people are going to really, really resonate with you and resonate with your story. Okay. Um, and I can't wait to you know to the day that we can welcome you back onto Irish shores. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. I love chatting. Thank you. I love Thank talking. you. And you know, <laughs> I always end every podcast with a phrase in Irish, which is for Irish for bye for now. It's Shlonga Fold. So Sarah, from me in Ireland to you in Canada, Shlonga Fold. Oh, yes. Goodbye. <laughs> hey, guys. If you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week. And remember, keep shooting.